UFC on ESPN Plus 1. Post-fight thoughts. Dun, dun, dun! Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. As usual, before we jump into this next episode, I want to remind you guys, you can hit me up on Twitter at FightJunkie.com. Listen to me on Anchor.fm, and of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash FightJunkie2006. So the UFC just got over a little bit ago, and we have a couple fights that we need to talk about. The first one we will touch on is the Donald Cerrone fight. The old dog did it again. When we touched on this uh, fight in our pre-fight podcast, and again, if you're listening to this on YouTube, click that icon in the upper right corner, and I will link back to the previous podcast video. When we touched on this fight... We said this is a big step up for Alexander and there's levels to this and we weren't sure what level he was at. You will hear that a lot from me in both sports, boxing and MMA because it's true. Sometimes they pass the test and sometimes they don't pass the test. Sometimes they pass the test and you still have questions. Other times they do it with flying colors. Tonight you saw it looked early like he was going to pass the test. Cerrone didn't look so great to me. He didn't look so sturdy right out of the gate. And I was thinking, uh-oh, maybe this is it. Maybe the old man's going down. The young kid would put the pressure on just like we said. He was forced in the fight. Cerrone was under pressure. He was under fire. And he just wasn't responding quick enough. That happens. He's getting old, guys. Then all of a sudden, everything changed. So he was, he was under fire, he was getting hit, he didn't look too steady, looked like he was a little wobbly in there, a little unsure, and then it, look, it looked like the cowboy came out in him, and he just said, bleep, 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 I'm just going for it, and, and that's what he did, and he just started throwing, and he started throwing, and he started throwing, and he started landing, he started landing, he started landing, started busting him up, started busting him up, started busting him up, started pushing him back, started pushing him back, started pushing him back. Hernandez became hesitant, and then you saw the fight change. As soon as you give Cerrone that distance with those long limbs where he's able to hit you and you have trouble hitting him, you're in trouble. And once he got in his groove, it was over, man. Hernandez is tough, but he just kept coming in a straight line, getting smacked in the mouth over and over. Head kick. Boom! Shaka-laka-laka. The kid is tough, but you know what? He talked a lot of smack going into this fight, so you need to be able to back it up. I just did the Manny Pacquiao-Adrian Broner uh, post-fight thoughts podcast and it's the same thing like if you're gonna talk smack you're gonna talk that shit you gotta back it up because people get tired of it it only works for so long when you talk a lot of smack but don't back it up that's why people loved connor when connor was really on fire he talked all this smack calling rounds and was actually doing it it's impressive when people can do that it's common when people talk a whole bunch of smack and then don't they just don't put up you know it's like put up or shut up well, he got shut up tonight. It was impressive. The second part of the fight of the round was impressive to me. A tale of two two different Cerrone's in there. Subtle, but I noticed it. He didn't look comfortable at first, and then he got in his groove. And when he got in his groove, he really put it on the kid. And Cerrone is a crowd favorite anyway, and the crowd went crazy. Everybody online was happy for him. He called out Connor. 
Connor said with a fight like that that he just put on, he'd be happy to give him a fight. That should be a bigger money fight for Cerrone, regardless if you think he's going to win or not. We'll touch on that if the fight comes off. But their strikers, Cerrone is very good on the ground, but he has no problem striking. You saw that tonight. I was actually surprised he shot a double leg and he got him down. But the kid was able to get up really quickly. But that was surprising because we touched on Cerrone's lack of real wrestling. Not his lack of grappling, but his lack of real wrestling. And even the takedown, you can see it's kind of like one of those jujitsu takedowns. I always talk about those, those terrible jujitsu takedowns. But it worked, but the kid was good enough that he got up, so Cerrone just dominated him in the striking. But I think uh, going forward, Cerrone certainly should use more wrestling, more grappling, because he is so good there. And he, he has very good striking as well. So if you start combining all of that together, it'll work really well. It was funny, though, that they did fight in the clinch like we spoke about. And at times it looked like Hernandez was getting the better of it early. And then it switched to where it looked like Cerrone was more comfortable there. So we said going in, like, that could be the case. If Cerrone's getting the better of it, Cerrone fans will be like, yeah, keep pushing forward, get in the clinch, Hernandez. And it was if it was flip-flopped, then Cerrone fans would be like, you got to move, Cerrone, you got to move. But overall, he did a really good job. A very good win for him because we said going in, this was an important fight for both fighters, obviously for the kid because it was a step up and he thought he was a killer and could beat everybody in the division easily. He found out that wasn't the case. But for Cerrone, the old dog who's trying to make a run for the title in those big money fights, this was huge because he had to win. And you see, he may be close to getting that counter fight, which would be a big, big fight. A lot of people would tune in for that simply because they probably figure it's going to be a striking match. But I tell you what, if it did hit the ground for some reason, Cerrone has a huge advantage there. He's very, very good on the ground. The other fight that we talked about, which we'll have a link in the upper right-hand corner if you're listening to YouTube, is the Paige Van Zandt, uh, Rachel Ostovich fight. That one was really good for as long as it lasted. We had basically a grappling match because Rachel was able to take Paige down at will. Once the fight started and the shots started coming, the way she took her down so easy, I like I was sitting there going, man, this, this is trouble for Paige. And we broke the fight down where Paige had the real advantage on the feet. And they really weren't on the feet for very long. And Rachel had the advantage on the ground. And I think you saw that. Like, she controlled her. The problem with Rachel in that fight that I noticed was when she was in the positions of taking her down, she always fell into guard or half guard and could never move. I told you guys Paige wasn't a fish out of water on the ground. But you could see Rachel was content with just kind of holding position. And you can't do that. Like, she was she was actually fighting like she was in a jiu-jitsu match. She wasn't even throwing punches most of the time. And that's a brutal mistake. Because you saw as, as the grappling exchanges continued to go on, and Paige started to work more, and there were reversals, and they were, you know, going at it with different positions... Rachel didn't look as comfortable as she did when she was sitting on top in guard or half guard. Granted, at one point it looked like she was really trying to pass, but she should be able to pass better than that because really all Paige was doing was holding her leg down. Now, I know it's not as easy as it seems, but when you're a grappler, you should know how to get out of that. You should know how to pass. You should know how to set up punches. If you can't just pass jujitsu style with no punches, you got to set something up. Make them think about something else. 
and then move when you get an opportunity to move. The finish was very, very strange. I actually think the back mount punches from Paige finished Rachel. To me, it looked like the fight was over right there. And then as Paige started to slide up, it seemed like Rachel was going to just shake her right off. But I don't know if she was in her right mind, in all honesty, from the ground and pound. Because I thought the ref was going to stop it right there. It looked like he was very, very close. But beyond that, I really think, like, Rachel was out of it. Like, mentally. Like, brain scrambled. From those punches. And when Paige started to slip off, that little bit of hesitation still allowed Paige to lock that arm up. Because 99 out of 100 times, when you see that happen, more often than not, they're going to pull their arm straight out. But it seemed like she was frozen in time. Like you see Paige starting to fall off, and it's like everything stopped. Rachel stopped moving. Paige stopped moving. Everybody's like, what's going on? And the next thing you know, you see Paige roll off. Even the announcers are like, uh, did she verbally tap? We'll have to look at the replay. It was that strange of a stoppage that nobody really could see with the camera angle that I had anyway, what the hell was going on. Now on the replay, you can clearly see it, that she still has her arm and then Rachel taps her underneath. You can barely see her hand move, but she taps. And then I think she grimaces. I'm not sure if she verbally tapped after that as well, but Paige did let it go. So I I can't imagine that she didn't verbally tap because Paige was holding on and she said that the ref hadn't stepped in yet. So she was still holding it, even though she pretty much knew that was it. But that's I mean, what are you going to do if she lets go and Rachel's able to continue to fight and the ref didn't see it? You'd probably screw yourself. So overall, the grappling advantage did go to Rachel. But that weird ending, I mean, you've got to give Paige props. She was able to do nice ground and pound from the back mount. And then even though she had messed up the position and was riding too high, she was somehow, some some way, able to grab that arm long enough and get Rachel to tap. So I think that was an impressive performance for her, from her for being out for a year. I didn't like her takedown defense at all. And you could see when she was flat on her back, she needs to work on that a lot. And she did say after the fight, she has a lot to work on. They really need to work on her ability to scramble and get up because if she's going to rely more on her striking, obviously, that's where she's most comfortable. And she does know jujitsu. She does know grappling. You saw that tonight. Just like we said in the pre-fight podcast, she's not a fish out of water. But she really needs to hone that and either get really slick submissions or sweeps or find some way that you can get your takedown defense a lot better. Now, she's lucky there's not a lot of great, you know, ground and pound, just take you down, hold you down, really super strong, slam you type wrestlers. But you are going to run into those. And she ran into one of those tonight because Rachel took her down at will. If it wasn't for her ability to get into that grappling match and flip to that back and the mount back, uh, back mount and start hammering her right there. Then you could see, like I said in the pre-fight podcast, the writing on the wall, like Rachel was perfectly happy to take her down, hold her there, wait for the ref to break her, take him down, hold her there. She would have just kept doing it, doing it and doing it. And that's one of the mistakes I actually see from Rachel. Like I mentioned, if you're able to do that, you need to go for a finish. And that's what I thought she would do. I thought she would take Paige down, 
and then look to pass, look to set up a submission. But for some reason, she was just happy sitting there thinking that she was going to be able to do it all night long and have an easy go of it and page through a wrinkle in there when she got her back. And those punches, I really believe it. I, I will never be able to confirm it, but I really believe those punches made her go goo goo gaga. And that was already the beginning of the end. Um, as far as the main event goes, wow. Let me tell you this. I'm going to go on a little bit of rant before I break this fight down. In my pre-fight podcast, again, icon, upper right corner. Click on it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I made a big deal about the TJ Dillashaw weight cut. And guess what? As usual, the naysayers, the clowns out there, they doubted the master. They said I was making a mountain out of a molehill. That I didn't know what I was talking about. That the man, the myth, the legend, Dillashaw, would do what nobody else could. Have a terrible weight cut and look amazing come fight night and dominate. In fact, they're actually downvoting the pre-fight podcast because of the big deal that I made about his weight. Like seriously, are people ever going to learn? Listen, I don't want to toot my horn. I'm very low-key most of the time. But the fact of the matter is, I wouldn't be around the sport as long as I am if I'm not one thing. That's consistent. Am I perfect? No. There's a difference between perfect and being consistent. And I don't get them all right. And I'll never get them all right. And I get many wrong. Go back and watch all my videos. They're all up there. You can pick and choose whatever you want. But the fact of the matter is, I've said this over and over again. This is what separates the, the real players from the pretenders. We do not get emotionally involved. All these people hate the same shit happened in the Darren Till fight. Man, I got so much heat and static from those UK fans about tilling that weight cut with Woodley. Saying that he had done it the easiest ever and he was going to be able to stay there for the next five years and blah, 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 blah. How did that turn out? How did that turn out? People get emotionally involved and that's fine. Fans do that. But don't come hating on the people that are trying to give you both sides. Not only do I break the fight down, give you my opinion, I give you the entire outcome, how I see it. I give you a Dillashaw way to win. I give you a Cejudo way to win. I give you a Manny Pacquiao way to win. I give you a Broner way to win. I don't have to do that. I do that for you. I already know. I've already got my bets in. I already know who I think is going to win. Why do I spend the time doing that? Because not everybody agrees with me, and that's cool. I don't expect everybody to agree, agree with me. What I'm trying to do is show you the way I would look at this fight if I was looking at either guy, how I come to my conclusion, how I'm capping. So maybe I can give you the skills that you need or maybe help you decide one way or the other. If you've reached a point where you're stuck in your capping, maybe my opinion can help you one way or the other. I don't make any money off of this bullshit. I don't make no money off of YouTube. I don't make any money talking into this mic off Anchor. And Anchor even has uh, ads you can put into your podcast now and all of that shit. Do you guys hear ads? It's none of that. I just do this. I like doing it. I like talking about it. 
But haters going to hate, man. It's not just in this industry. It's in every industry. But I have to tell you, in combat sports, especially when you're talking about capping, man, the egos and the arrogance in this community is unnerving. It's stunning to me how many people are just total douchebags when it comes to fight capping. I mean, just total jackasses that in the real world, I would want nothing to do with you. Like, how are you How are you really handling yourself that way? In my opinion, I like to help people. And that's why I do these podcasts. Like I said, I've asked you guys for anything, anything. How many people are out there with their subscription services, begging you to join their subscription services, touting their picks, this, that, and the other? How many people are out there asking for Patreon donations? How many people are out there making money off their eBay AdSense? How many people have sponsors and they're doing this, that, and the other to get paid, right? I'm not doing any of that. And I still get flack from the haters for spending my time coming out here, spitting out my knowledge, what I think. And again, I'm not perfect, but damn, have a little respect, yo. Like seriously, people, this is one of the reasons why people, not only in this industry, but in general, don't like helping other people because you just have so many negative naysayers out there that just want to tear everybody down. Even I'm right. Like go back and listen to this podcast. I specifically specifically mentioned the dehydration weight cut and what it does to your body and brain lowering your punch resistance who does that show me another podcast on this fight you guys link me another podcast that for the tj tj dillashaw henry cejudo fight said that tj was at risk with his punch resistance because of his weight cut Because I sure as hell didn't hear anybody on social media saying that. Even the people that thought he looked like Skeletor and looked like a skeleton. Nobody was spitting that out to, to, to me, at least, or to my followers. Nobody retweeted it. I didn't see it anywhere. Were there a lot of people who said, yeah, he's dehydrated, looks terrible. You know, he can get knocked out, all that. Yeah, of course, people were saying that because it was like common sense. But I didn't hear anybody specifically going out of their way to say, listen, guys, if you're backing TJ, then if you're backing him, you have to be 100% right that his weight cut is not going to affect him in any negative way. Again, I'm not just talking bullshit. Go click the icon. Listen to the video. If you don't see the icon, click on the TJ Dillashaw, Henry Cejudo uh, fight prediction podcast and it's all there all there archived for everybody to listen to so it's stunning to me that i say in this fight oh i think uh dillashaw early henry cejudo late and people still got pissed and i actually gave tj more credit than what he deserved i said he would hit a wall probably around round two The dude couldn't last two minutes. He couldn't even last a minute. 35 seconds. But you're going to hate on me for making a big deal about a dude who is in amazing shape at 35, cutting an additional 10 pounds, looking like death? Like, seriously. 
how can you ever expect, why are you even listening to my channel? And why are you even betting? In all honesty, if you're one of the fools that's downvoting, hating, sending the uh, tweets, if you're one of those fools, tell me. Tell me why you listen to me and tell me why you're even betting. You can't say you're fading me to make money because guess what? You would have lost. So explain to me how you're going to have this type of negative attitude about people giving you free information, breaking down both sides of an event, and saying, if you like this side, this is what I think. And if you like this side, this is what I think. I did the exact same thing for the Broner fight. I said, Manny Pacquiao wins a decision probably 9-3, to 8-4. to four. If you like Broner, then you take him by KO. The odds are ass backwards. He has no shot of winning the decision. He doesn't throw enough punches. If he wins, he's going to try to walk Manny Pacquiao into a counterpunch. Who does that? For free. Because maybe you liked Broner. Maybe my opinion matters and maybe that you could say, oh, I was looking at playing him straight, but if if I see it how Fight Junkie sees it, then maybe it, there is more value in taking Broner by Kale. That's why I do it. The same thing with Pac. Broner has a good chin. Broner gets hit, but he doesn't get hit a lot in combination. So he'll take a couple punches. You saw that tonight. Got hurt in the seventh, got hurt in the ninth. He survived. I know this. I've been doing this a long time. I'm not perfect, and I do get things wrong. But I don't I don't come out on the mic and try to spit shit to you wrong on purpose. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Shit happens. But I don't sit here and try to steer you guys the wrong way. Half the time, if you lose, I lose because we're on the same side. It's, it's not like I have any, you know, secret motive here and I'm trying. It's none of that. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm right. More often than not, I'm right. And that's what you need to be. Consistency over the year. Like some professional betters, you know, they don't even count their money till the end of the year to see if they made a profit or not. Some people do it monthly or, you know, every three months. Some people do it weekly, whatever the case is. But because more often than not, that consistency is what you're looking for. Consistency will win out. So you could have a losing month. But you've just won, you know, so much money in six months. So that's why it's a little difficult if you're always, you know, sitting there worrying and nitpicking about, you know, what I did this week and then what I did that week and what I did. If you're consistent and you're good, you will win out in the long run. And that's why there's a handful of guys who are really good. Now, some of those people I am closer to than other people. But I can see why a lot of people that are in the industry go, man, this takes too much time. You get nothing but hate. Nobody's ever happy. You know, most of the people aren't sitting there saying, thanks, Fight Junkie. I just won $10,000, right? But if I get it wrong, thumbs down, thumbs down. Oh, you got it wrong. Right? Who wants to go through that? guess, Guess what? They don't need it. I don't need it, right? I can go. I make my money on my own knowledge. You're not helping me make money. I'm helping you make money. You're not giving me knowledge. I'm giving you knowledge. And I know that sounds arrogant. I'm probably coming off as a douche. But I'm just trying to explain to you guys. I'm very straight. I always tell you guys. I always tell you the truth. I'm very straight. So I'm being straight with you. If you want to be an effective better, if you want to be successful, you got to get out of this bullshit where you're always pulling down your pants, measuring it against everybody else. You got to quit with the hate. You got to find people out there who are genuine, 
who will try to help you. It doesn't matter if it's a paid service or not. There's real people out there who want to get paid for their time. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying you got to find genuine people who are trying to genuinely help you. And then you gravitate towards those people. And if they have more knowledge, it may be on one fight. It may be on a subject like combat sports. Maybe it's football, basketball, whatever the hell it is. You learn from them. You learn their techniques. You try to make yourself better if this is something you're serious about. If you're doing it for a hobby, that's fine. If you're just a fan, that's fine. My problem is don't throw shade at people that are really doing this, not pretenders. Been around for decades, not pretenders. The people that I know that subscribe to this podcast, that follow me on Twitter, that are real cappers, they're not pretenders. And guess what? A lot of those guys are amazing. You would go look at my tweets. I will tell them, good luck, bro. Even if we're on opposite sides. I've always said that to you guys. Listen, if I lose, I, I don't want you to lose. That's not my mentality. I want us all to win. Sometimes that can't happen. But if I'm on Manny Pack and Pack gets knocked out and you were on Broner, I'm not going to be like, you suck. Right? That makes no sense. That's not going to bring me back any money by dogging on you that you actually made something. Like, people have a serious problem with successful people. I get it. I really do. Like, it's just amazing to me. You can disagree with me all you want, but you got to come spitting some lyrics at me. You got to spit some facts. You could have sat there and told me, oh, yeah, the weight cut isn't a big deal, and you're just making a mountain out of a molehill, and that's fine. That's your opinion. But guess what? If I'm right, then you better come back and say, oh, guess what? I was wrong. That's not how the internet works, right? You get to throw your shade and then you run off in the corner and hide. I don't hide. Look at all my post-fight thoughts that I've done on fights where I've lost. Look at the Badu Jack fight, Marcus Brown, boxing fight. There's a post-fight thought up there. Go listen to it. Go listen to my pre-fight podcast, what my thoughts were on the fight. I don't hide. I tell you guys exactly what I think is going to happen. And then if the fight is good enough or I feel like doing it more often than not, I'll do a post-fight thought on it. And then I kick the can around and tell you how I thought I saw things go down. I mean, if that's not good enough for you guys, unsubscribe. Don't follow me on Twitter because it's absolutely useless. It's a waste of time. There are people out there who follow me who enjoy what I do, who appreciate what I do, and who are cordial, they're respectful, and I will help them as much as I can. I don't have the time to be dealing with the haters. So I always try to respond to everybody, whether it's social media or YouTube comments. I'm always trying to help people out if they message me with whatever they think. Even I did the uh, uh, the. Uh, fight prediction for Marcus Brown and uh, Badu Jack because somebody on YouTube asked me to do it. I was able to squeeze it in with the three MMA fights that I did as well. I believe it was the two boxing fights for this week. So five podcasts I did for you guys this week. That's why I mean, come on. Like, seriously, I don't ask a lot from you guys, but I'm just trying to help you out. I'm trying to change your mentality. You go back and you look at some of my other podcasts that I did that are not combat related and you will see where I'm coming from. And if you don't see, that's your problem. Because 
You've got to change your mindset if you want to be successful. This idea that you can just shit on everybody and everything they do and you produce no results is ignorant. That's exactly what Adrian Broner does. I had a whole rant about him. Talks all this shit and never backs it up. Listen, if you're going to talk massive amounts of shit, you better back it up. That's not just in combat sports, that's in life. So if you're going to hate on what everybody else is doing, then you better do better. So if you want to go head to head, then do better. Show me that you can do better. I'll subscribe to your fucking channel. I mean, seriously, it's a, it's it's annoying to me that I even have to sit here and rant on this podcast because we have such clowns out there that take their time, waste their time to hate on people that are actually trying to help them. It's like you're biting the hand that feeds you. You're cutting off your nose despite your face. It makes absolutely zero sense. Because how are you figuring you're ever going to be successful? You're picking up no skills. You must think you're a god. You must think you're a betting god that needs nobody else's opinion and that can just live the life of a millionaire. So why are you listening to me then? If, if I'm nothing, why are you throwing shade at me? If I get it wrong all the time, you shouldn't even listen to me, right? You'd be rich fading me. So if that's the case, fade every video that I do and let's see where you're at at the end of the year. I think we both know where you'll be at at the end of the year. So hopefully for you clowns out there that are always hating, you're going to change your mindset. I highly doubt it because you're negative for a reason and birds of a feather flock together. But I'm telling you, the real deal people that follow me and associate with me, they're the real deal and they're positive. When even bad shit happens in their lives, man, because it happens to all of us. But you try to just pull up your pants and put your nose to the grindstone and go through it as as best you can and get over it. Same thing when you're betting. You got to know how to do that. Like I said, I don't get them all right. So you lose. Maybe you thought it was a, a really good bet or sometimes something crazy happens and you just kind of got to brush yourself off get up and move forward and look towards the next one and like i said if you're being honest with yourself honest with your capping honest with others consistency will win out i'm proof of that consistency will win out so hopefully you guys can take some lessons from this because this doesn't go out to all my supporters that are top notch i know you guys know your stuff so i'm sorry you have to listen to this rant I'm still trying to help people. As foolish as that sounds, I'm probably the ignorant one sitting here trying to reach people that refuse to be reached. But I'm trying to reach the clowns out there that just constantly hate. And it's not just on me. I see it on so many people constantly. They just hate, the hate, the hate. Listen, perform. It's time to put up or shut up. If, you, if you're not going to be able to perform, then quit hating on everybody else that is performing. Quit hating on a community that wants to be involved and help one another. That's one of the reasons I had such trouble building the fight communities because of these jackasses which with huge egos that want to leech, leech, take, 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 and then rag on everybody when it doesn't go their way. It's totally ridiculous. It's why this community is so fragmented. It's why there's a handful of real people who communicate with real people. And the rest of you guys are just out there floating around talking smack to everybody on every single thing. I mean, seriously, if you're in this to win it, you then you know. Because you're already in the community. And when I say in the community, I'm not talking about somebody replies to you on Twitter. I'm talking about the OGs, 
the real deals that have been around forever. And they don't need to be out there on Twitter spouting off their, oh, I just made $5,000 and here's my ticket. Nobody gives a rat's ass because I know they're legit. They're no, they know I'm legit. I don't need to prove it to anybody. They don't need to prove it to me. We've been around long enough. Real recognizes real. Those other players are out there. They're trying to drum up business for some shit. They're trying to stroke their ego. They're, they're doing something. They're playing a different game than what the, the, the real people in this business are doing. The real people in this business, you don't even know who they are. They have 200 followers. You don't even know who they are. And they're out there banking money because they're not spending their time messing around with you fools. It's not about Twitter count. It's not about YouTube channels. It's about how much money they're putting in their pocket, how much money is going to their bank account, how much money they have to take care of their family and friends and do the things they want to do in life. If you want to reach that level, then you got to quit with the negativity. You got to quit with all this bullshit about measuring sticks with everybody else and if somebody does something that you don't agree with then all of a sudden they're just garbage and they don't know what they're talking about you see this all the time the same thing that uh fans do with fighters a fighter loses or goes on a losing streak and they're like oh my god he's terrible i mean you see that with older fighters like even with floyd mayweather people don't even remember pretty boy floyd they don't even remember that this dude was knocking heads he wasn't always the pillow puncher that you see. He wasn't always the persona, Money Mayweather. People have short memories. It's what have you done for me lately? So I'm sitting over here spitting this knowledge to you guys and trying to help you make money and people are still hating. So I mean, seriously, I'm actually not sitting here preaching to you for no reason. If you tune into this podcast every week, you have an opportunity to make money. And that's still not good enough for some people. That blows my freaking mind. You have an opportunity to listen to somebody give you advice that's experienced for a long, long time and what they're talking about. And you just flush it down the toilet. That's a total waste of time. That's what I'm saying. Like, why are you even listening? You should be listening to weight loss videos or something that you probably won't do and then complain that you didn't lose weight. It's the same thing. If you look at your life and you look at the patterns and why you're not accomplishing anything, you will see there are certain things that you are doing. And I guarantee you it's coming back to your mentality. The way that you're thinking, that is keeping you down. It's not a mythical man. It's not the president of the United States. It's not your boss. It's not your wife. It's not where you live. It's not the Toyota Camry that you drive. It's you. So switch it up. Back to the fight. So Dillashaw basically got hit and it was nighty night. His punch resistance was gone. Like I said, I was giving him credit for two rounds. I thought he's got to get Henry out of there. And the first two rounds or that fatigue slash uh body drain that he's done you know body deterioration is going to hit and Cejudo has good stamina and doesn't get tired I think he'll be able to you know bring him to the brink throw him over the cliff and end it but he did it so fast man you've got to look at the way I mean people had questions about TJ Dillashaw's chin before and I know people had said you know he doesn't have the greatest chin but when you look back at his fights with Cody like Cody's a far bigger hitter than Henry is and yeah he got hurt but he got up 
And some people were saying this was too fast of a stop. I don't agree. I think he was done, man. And not only that, but the way he went down, like the way the punches affected him, like Henry came out, he was not afraid to strike with him. And basically, as soon as he hit him, it was over. And you could say, well, maybe they should have gave him another 10 seconds or five seconds. Or I mean, that's always a debate. But in my opinion, from what I saw pre-fight, the weight cut, the way he looked and the way he performed in the fight, the way he got dropped, his, you know, just overall demeanor and his recovery ability. I don't think it was going to be there. You let him go. Maybe he survives. Maybe he survives around. It's going to come down to the exact same thing. If he don't spark Henry out in that round or the next round, he's going to lose the fight. And I can't believe that so many people thought that was such an outrageous prediction that a guy who looked like a skeleton on the scales would have trouble with durability and stamina and eventually succumb if he doesn't get his guy out of there early. Is that really so hard to believe? Because if it was, you need to do a lot more research into combat sports, weight cutting, and durability issues because they're all linked together. This is nothing new. I may sound like a prophet, but this is nothing new. This has been going on in boxing forever and in in, in MMA as well. It's been going on forever. You can't deplete your body like that. Sometimes you get away with it longer than others. For Dillashaw, it was a major, major cut, and he wasn't able to get away with it for one fight, for one round, for one minute. Sometimes you get fighters like Till that are able to get away with it for a while, and then they hit the wall. It happens. So if you're looking to be a better capper, if you're looking to be a more accurate capper, if you're looking to give yourself the most knowledge possible when you're looking at odds and outcomes and props and just how you could see the fight going you know going down the outcome you need to always factor in weight cuts it's stunning to me how many people online think this is not an issue obviously they're ignorant i get it but it's like a sheep mentality when one person says it's not a big deal you get so many people that climb on their backs and go, ma, ma. I mean, I experienced it, not only this fight, like I said, in the tail fight, there's been many, 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 many more fights where people brush it off. Sometimes the fighters get away with it and they go, oh, see, I told you. And then what, three fights later, I'll be the one going, ha ha, I told you, it's only a matter of time. I mean, it's it should be common knowledge by now that you got to take care of yourself in and out of the ring slash octagon. Adrian Broner, perfect example. The dude balloons up to almost 200 pounds. I believe he's 5'6 or 5'7. He doesn't take care of himself. He parties like a freaking rapper. And then people wonder why when he gets in the ring, he throws no damn punches. You don't think there's a correlation there? Seriously. Come on. You got a guy like Manny Pack who's always in the gym or playing basketball or keeps himself in pretty good shape for a 40-year-old, Mayweather, the same thing, and they're able to perform. And people are like, wow, they can still perform at 40. No correlation, right? Good living, clean living, being disciplined. There's no correlation whatsoever. So you go ahead and you're a beast at 35 that has 2% body fat and you lose it all. You look like a skeleton. Oh, but because he made weight, 
everything's fine. That's how ridiculous people are. And then they wonder why they make no money. You cannot have that type of attitude and lack of knowledge and expect to make money long term. You might be able to do it for one fight. You might be able to do it for two fights. You might be able to do it for a month. But consistently you are going to lose because those are factors. We're talking about the human body here. That's going into an octagon that's getting punched and kicked and slammed. And you're going to tell me that all these massive weight cuts are having no effect on them. That's ridiculous. If you don't believe me, go cut your own weight sitting on your couch. Let's see how you feel. In fact, go cut your weight and don't sit on the couch. Go to the gym. Go have somebody punch you in your face for 12 weeks and then set up a backyard boxing match and let's see how you perform. Probably die of a heart attack. And these are professional athletes. If they can't do it, you sure as hell can't do it. They don't even do it well. That's why I'm always bitching about the weight cutting in the UFC because it's far, far worse than what's going on in boxing. And you do still have it in boxing, but not on this, not not the epidemic that's going on. Like people were actually so happy that TJ made weight. The dude got blasted out in 30 something seconds. Yeah, he made weight, sacrificed himself for 12 weeks, got hit on the chin, his brain rattled around, and it was nighty-night. I mean, seriously, there are consequences to this. How many times do you think he could do that? Not many. And you see fighters that continuously do that, and it shortens their career. I will say this about TJ. What a douche, right? Like, argue all you want about the premature stoppage. But then he just goes on this rant about, it's not a loss. I didn't lose. Henry didn't beat me. We're talking about Broner being delusional, thinking that he won his fight against Manny Pacquiao tonight. That dude needs to go get his brain checked. Because if he don't think he lost that fight, he doesn't need to be fighting anymore. 35, 25, 70, I don't care what it is. Like, seriously, dude. That referee probably saved you from a highlight reel KO because personally, I believe you have no punch resistance at 125 and we're going to have to see how he recovers and feels at 35. People are going to automatically assume that he's fine at 35. Listen, that shit you put your body through stays with you forever. Every time you go into the octagon, every time you go into the ring, you lose a little bit something. You don't gain. That's why as fighters age... They get worse, generally. Even Mayweather is worse now than he was when he was 22 years old. I think everybody can understand that. Every time that cage door closes, these guys are losing a little bit of themselves. Losing a little bit of durability. Losing a little bit of skill set. Losing a little bit of balance. Losing a little bit of themselves. And when you do stuff like these massive weight cuts, it expedited those losses It takes a lot more out of you. Maybe he'll rebound at 35 and look amazing. But I'm telling you, at some point, TJ Dillashaw's career will be over. Just like every other fighter's career ends. Because you cannot do it forever. There's a reason that you don't have 70-year-old guys in there throwing down. Because they can't do it. Their body physically cannot do it anymore, not to mention their brains and what the hell is going on up there. So you have to be very careful in the way that you conduct yourself with your weight cuts and your training because those guys train like maniacs, get injured, fight injured, have a whole bunch of issues going on. 
and your fighting style as well because between the accumulation of all the damage that you take in the gym your weight cutting damage that's doing internal and brain damage as well and then your actual fight where you're getting all of this damage you can see how fighters need something to fall back on um, I'm a big fan for some type of retirement, pension, healthcare, something. This independent contractor stuff is kind of BS if you ask me because, I mean, your fighting career is short. Even the greats, like I said, Mayweather, Pacquiao. I mean, how many guys are in there in the UFC that are at that level? Anderson Silva? I mean, look at his losing streak, right? Like, I mean, not many people are able to do what these guys do even into their late 30s, depending on division. So it's not like you have a whole bunch of time unless you start at 18 and then sometimes you're shot right away. It just depends how much abuse you take and each individual body is different. So I think that's something that you need to look forward, look at going forward is how Dillashaw is going to respond at 35. Henry said he wants to move up to 35 and give Dillashaw another shot. Dillashaw kind of smirked it off. He really acted like a dick. I mean, seriously. I thought it was embarrassing that John Anik, after he interviewed him, crying and whining about Henry didn't beat him and it was premature, he says he ends it with, all class. TJ Dillashaw, all class. What are you smoking? All class? That is not all class. That is no class. Maybe he misspoke. No class Dillashaw. It's embarrassing. You guys can go up and see not only his post-fight interview, but the interviews he's done at the press conference and with the media after. It's embarrassing. Like, he needs to get his brain checked because you are truly delusional thinking that Henry just didn't steamroll you, man. I mean, it, it was 35 seconds. Like, seriously. How can you even argue that? We've seen way worse stoppages before than that. And like I said, I think the ref did him a favor because you let him go on at some point, he's going to get starched. The only way he gets out of this fight without uh, being starched and knocked out is if he's able to catch Henry with something that Henry, Henry doesn't see. That's the only way. And that's the only way I saw him win in this fight and I gave him two rounds. Which I overestimated his ability because that was, I mean, it really was embarrassing the way that he crumbled and then the way that he ha acted after the fight. And then he even with that smirky, douchey face when Henry was like, yeah, I'll give you a shot at 35, TJ. I appreciate you coming down to 25. And he's just sitting over there with that arrogant look on his face. Like, I've heard he's a total douche, but I believe it, man. Like, if you're going to act like that, you got your ass handed to you. I get that you're in the heat of the moment. Maybe you thought you could have gone on. But then you give the guy respect. Henry was nothing but respectful after the fight. I know Dillashaw took issue with him saying I'll give you a shot at 35 but you can tell what Henry meant like I will give you another shot at redemption he didn't have to do that he could have said I told you I'd whoop your ass I'm the 125 pound king Dana White you better keep this division intact because it's my division TJ go back up to 135 boy he didn't do that he was respectful and what he get for it he got shit from TJ Dillashaw. The same way I'm talking to you guys about this podcast, the shit I do, the information I put out, all for free, and then people shit on it, the exact same thing happened to Henry. He was cordial and nice and said, hey, we can do it again. 
certainly I'll try, I'll come up to your division now. You can you were nice enough to come down here and try to become champ champ. Let me go up to 35 and give you the opportunity to defend and give myself the opportunity for champ champ. But that wasn't good enough for Crybaby Dillashaw. I take issue with that. Like I said, when it comes to capping, I keep the emotions out of it. Post fight, I will talk shit about people that I think deserve it. I thought Broner deserved to be shit on tonight, and I thought TJ Dillashaw deserved to be shit on tonight for the way they acted. If you guys didn't uh, get to see the end of the Manny Pacquiao-Broner fight, go watch his interview. What an arrogant ass, man. Like, this guy. Hopefully, we don't see him on the big stage anymore because all he does is talk, 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 and not perform when he gets in the ring. And like I said on Twitter, I think people are sick of it. So that's the same thing with Dillashaw. Hey, listen, you tried, you had a brutal weight cut that everybody's told me was easy, right? Easy flashbacks to Darren Till. And you didn't get it done. It happens. I gave him respect for making that cut because I could see, you could see how brutal that cut was. Believe all the lies you want to believe about how easy it was and I'm in the great shape and I'm strong as an ox and all this other crap that fighters and promoters and the media and the teams and the family and the wives, everybody says it. When you're a capper, you should know better. You're taking this information, you're looking at historical data, you're looking at historical data about this fighter, you're looking at their physique, you're looking at their records, you're looking at their styles, and then you're doing the same thing with the opponent. People should have had a clue that this could happen. Even if it didn't happen, you factor in the possibility of it happening. You don't shit on the people telling you, listen, there's a possibility that this happens. You discount that and you lose your money. You factor that in, maybe you still lose your money, maybe you don't lose as much, maybe you hedge, maybe you take the under, as I suggested, and you cash. There's a lot of things that you can still do. More information, the better. It gives you options. Everybody should want options. So when you're looking at that and you're trying to become a better capper, those are the things you got to separate. I'm talking shit about TJ. Come his next fight at 35, I will be looking at the matchup. Not the shit that he said in the ring. Not the shit that he said at the press conference. I will be looking at how he matches up against his opponent at 135 pounds. Will I be factoring in the abuse from the 125 pound weight cut? Probably. But that really depends on his opponent. If it's a soft touch, I'll say, we don't know if Dillashaw is going to be okay from that brutal weight cut. Also, depending on how long he takes off, but this opponent probably won't be able to push him. So depending on the odds, I like this, that and the other. If it's a killer, maybe it's Henry. And then I'll be like, man, with that weight cut, we don't really know if Dillashaw is going to be right at 35. But then again, Henry hasn't fought at 35. This is what I do for you. I try to give you every angle that I can possibly think of because I'm not forcing you. I'm not taking money out of your pocket, putting it in your hand, and bringing you down to the sports book. Well, most of you don't live in Vegas. So I'm not putting your hand on your mouse, opening up your five dimes account, clicking on the thing, moving your money around. I'm not doing that. So all I'm doing is giving you my professional opinion about how I would see each guy's path to victory. And some people have a problem with that. Stunning, truly stunning the day and age we live in. That's it for this episode of Fight Junkie. I will suck it to you tomorrow, baby. Fight Junkie out.